Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Let us prepare our hearts in prayer. Pray with me, please. Quiet us, O God. Quiet everything in us so we can hear you. So we can hear the harmonies of hope and the notes of challenge. Quiet us so that we can follow the words and if we cannot follow them, let them follow us. However it happens, let your word and our hearts meet. Quiet us, O Lord, so we have a chance to hear your clanging promise of a brand new day. Amen. This is Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. His salutation includes Sylvanus and Timothy, as they were known to be traveling with him at this time. Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy to the Church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We always give thanks to God for all of you, and we mention you in our prayers constantly, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfast, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit 
and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of persons we we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. For us, for the people of those regions report about us what kind of welcome we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is coming. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. So for a third week, we are learning about the theological values that undergird our strategic framework for ministry here at Village. We have learned that we want our ministry to be incarnational, that every aspect of our lives and of this world matters to God. We have asserted that Village will prioritize relationship. We will be a place that practices holy friendship. And today we remind ourselves that in our ministry, we will be missional. Now, what does that mean? I could talk about folks from our village family who spent yesterday at the Kansas City Care Clinic, a clinic available to those who lack insurance and it provides health care at a price they can afford. That's mission. I could speak about folks who gathered on Friday evening to share a meal with our friends from the Nema Church and together support our ministry in Thawake, Kenya. That's mission. I could talk about folks who took a morning this week to read to children from Operation Breakthrough. That's mission. I could talk about the concert that will take place next Sunday afternoon with a retiring offering to support Frontero de Cristo Border Ministry. That's mission. I could talk about the Be the Church event that took place just last Sunday, both at our mission and Antioch campuses. I could go on. Mission is where our faith engages the world. And in thinking about it, I am informed by the apostle once again. And his prayer of thanksgiving for the church, he said, I thank God for your steadfastness of hope. When we say we at Village want to be missional in our ministry, I think what we're saying is, We will not lose hope. Paul sees 
that hope is work. It's hard work. It's work because the content of our hope does not come from us. It comes from God's dreams for how we can be with one another. And those dreams are not small. And so Paul uses the word, the steadfastness of hope, because he knows to live such hope is a labor. And why is that? Because it means we have to choose today to be in a way, to live in a way that anticipates what can come. I was 18, just turned 18, I think, had hair to my shoulders and bell-bottom jeans. I walked out of our youth choir rehearsal at church. I had a guitar in one hand and a chemistry book in the other, and I had no idea what to do with either one. Miss Rossolo, she was on staff at the church. She caught me in the hallway. She said, hey, Tom, been meaning to ask you, where are you going to go to school next year? I said, I, I don't know. She said, um, that was an unfortunate answer, by the way, because it was already February, and I had not I had not filled out a single college application. She said, so you know you can't go to high school again. (laughs) And my face revealed that that was a new thought to me, and that was something I probably ought to ponder. She said, Tom, come in here. I walked in her office, and she pulled off of her shelf about a dozen college catalogs back in the days when that's the way they did it. And there sitting at her desk, I filled out an application to Presbyterian College. Now, had she not taken a couple of hours that afternoon to walk me through that, I probably would have found my way to college in some other way. But the truth is, the way I actually got to college was through her office. And I learned this, if you want to go to college someday, there are some things you need to do today. Hope is like that. If the hopes that God has for us someday will be realized, there are things that we have to do, choices we have to make, ways we have to live today. summer I was reading, the, the Constitution of the United States was drafted in 1787. I knew that. What I didn't know, didn't remember, was 200 years later, in 1987, the country held a bicentennial celebration of the Constitution. Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, who 20 years earlier had been appointed as the first African American on the nation's highest court, Justice Marshall offered a cautionary word about this bicentennial celebration. He advised that we be wary of what he called flag-waving fervor. He said the focus of this celebration invites us to believe this, he said, that the founding fathers in Philadelphia yielded the more perfect union it is said we now enjoy. But Marshall disagreed. He said the government the framers devised was defective from the start. 
and required numerous amendments, a civil war, and momentous social transformation to better realize the promise of a more just society. The credit for the Constitution in its present form, he said, did not belong to the framers, but to those who refused to acquiesce to outdated notions of liberty, justice, and equality, and who strive to better them. I understand that Marshall was saying he believed in America, but he believed in America because he understood America to be becoming, to still be becoming. The nation cannot be defined by some yesterday, not even our grand ones. No, if America is to be America, we must be defined by a tomorrow we have yet to see. I think that's what Paul was teaching the church. I thank God for your steadfastness of hope, for the choices you make today because of a tomorrow you have yet to see. And that's work. And one reason it's work is because every day, every day, there'll be another reason to question that hope. A man with automatic weapons shoots a synagogue in Pittsburgh, leaving 11 dead. Someone shoots up Oak Park Mall. Two were murdered here in Kansas City on Friday. Pipe bombs sent through the mail. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change says time is running out and this will not fix, fix itself. And that's just this week. In a world like ours, living in hope is work. And it's bold because the content of our hope is not something we generate. It is given to us by God. And God's dreams for us are not small. They are robust. They speak of a day toward which we live and on which we base our lives, but a day we have yet to see. But to live toward that day is what it means to be missional. It is to refuse to give up hope. Let me, just give, let me give you just one example. I, we've said several times in this series, this letter from Paul is the earliest Christian writing we have in our Bible. This is the first time the apostle sits down and writes the word church. And he describes the church as a people defined by hope. It is also the first word used to describe this church. It was 1949, in February, a congregational meeting held in that chapel when, when this church was formally organized. And in that first meeting, Village decided to fund the start of another new congregation in another neighborhood in an unknown place. We were eight minutes old and already were committed to helping form a new congregation. That was mission. So a few years ago, when a handful of folks from the former Stanley Church approached us and requested that we launch a satellite in their building... There was no way we could say no, it was in our DNA. 
It was courageous of them because what they didn't ask is for us just to fund them to keep on being Stanley. They asked us to be village in that place. And it was courageous of you because it takes work to build a church. It requires resources and sacrifice. But it's what hope looks like. And here's one reason it matters that you won't know about, perhaps. We're part of Heartland Presbytery. It's a regional collection of congregations, 95 in total. It stretches from the Iowa line down to Osawatomie and from Atchison to Warrensburg. And over the past five years, those 95 Presbyterian congregations collectively have lost 20% of our membership. Here at Village, our membership is growing, and it's true of about a dozen other churches in the Presbytery, but the fact is, over the next 10 to 20 years, there will be numerous communities that no longer have a Presbyterian church to serve them. Their buildings will become theaters or cafes or just empty shelves. And that could have happened at Stanley, but at Village... We believe that communities are stronger if there is a church there. We believe that people's lives are enriched by a community of faith. We believe that children and young people are more grounded by the love they experience in a church. We believe that a ministry that lifts up a voice of God's love for its neighbors and a community that practices friendship is a power in the neighborhood. So we're given all that we can to ensure there's a vibrant and faithful witness to Jesus Christ at Antioch. Now, it may not turn the numbers around of the presbytery, but it is what we can do today because we are shaped by hope and we're living toward a day that we have yet to see, but a day on which we base our lives And because that day is a day of bold promise, it requires not only that we do what we can today, but that we take the long view. It was 1857. Roger Taney was then the Supreme, was the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, and he was the author of the Dred Scott decision. Mr. Scott was a slave, but he had lived in free territories and free states, and so he appealed to the court that he might be recognized as a free man because he lived outside of slave states. Taney, in writing for the court in 1857, said the Constitution did not protect his freedom because Mr. Scott as a slave was property and not a human being. 27 years later, in 1883, the court revoked the Civil Rights Act of 1875. You don't have to remember all these dates. The court revoked the Civil Rights Act which is, and asserted that no person who was a descendant of slaves could ever be a citizen of the United States. Justice John Harlan found himself in a familiar spot. He was a lone voice opposing the entire rest of the court, 
as a voice speaking up for civil rights. So in this decision, he dissented. But the story is he struggled to get his thoughts on paper. He struggled to write his dissent. This part of the story I can relate to. It happens to me most Saturdays. And after months had passed, he still could not write his dissent. He was caught in a quagmire of logic and precedent and law. So his wife, Melvina Harlan, helped him out. She retrieved from the court a particular inkwell. It was the inkwell that 30 years earlier, Justice Tawney had used to write the Dred Scott decision. And while he was at church, she got that inkwell, polished it up, filled it with ink, placed it on his writing desk with his writing pad. And when he returned from church, she told him, there's an inkwell in your study that needs redemption. It has been used to write words of slavery. You use it to write words of freedom. And Justice Harlan wrote his dissent that afternoon. It did not change things that day. And he did not live long enough to see the day that he was living toward. But he chose to do that day what he could. And he chose to keep keep hope in a day that was coming when all people would be treated as if they are created equally. Hope requires that we take the long view. So do not lose hope. For the risen Christ is at work in the church. And we are living toward God's promised day. It is a day when justice will roll down like waters. Do not lose hope, for we are living toward God's promised day. It is a day when swords will be beaten into plowshares because someday it just will make sense to us that it is better to feed one another than to shoot one another. Let us live toward the day when our children will grow up to be neither the destroyers nor the destroyed. Let us live toward a day when we will no longer be obsessed by someone's race or nationality and no longer identify people who are on my team or not, but will recognize that all All people are God's children and must be treated as God's children. Do not be discouraged, but encourage. Live toward that day. Because the world needs to change. And we need to change. And we can't do it all. But it won't change unless we do what is ours to do. So we commit to being missional, which is to say, we will not lose hope. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.
Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.